coming up on another mini episode of the Front Page Football Podcast. Myself, Christian Marchetti, joined by Antonis Pagonis and Matt Olsen. We reviewed Adelaide United's one-all draw with the Brisbane Roar last night, uh, which marked the return of the A-League men, and also looked ahead to the rest of the round's action, gave a few predictions as well, talked a little bit about... Perth Glory and uh, get Matt's perspective as well, what the feeling is over there, their inaugural game at Macedonia Park, their temporary uh, ground, of course, taking on the champions, West United tonight as well. It's all coming up right after this. Welcome back to another mini episode of the Front Page Football Podcast. Yes, we're back with with another mini. It's been a while, uh, obviously, because of the World Cup break and the Socceroos. Obviously, if you want to go and check out some of our pods from uh, the Socceroos games at the World Cup, you can go and do that. But uh, right now, A-Liga action is back. And uh, I'm joined by Antonis Pagonis, who is who's very happy after Adelaide United just blew a 1-0 lead against the Brisbane Roar to draw one all with two minutes to go. Jay O'Shea with the penalty to make it one all. Uh, Antonis, um, how are you, mate? I, 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 you know, no doubt you're delighted right now. Yeah, it's hard to watch after the World, the World Cup journey, put it that way. Yeah. Uh, and we're also joined by uh, our man from WA, Matt Olsen. Matt, how are you going? Yeah, hi. Um, it's just ticked over to um, New Year's Day 2015 over here in Perth. So I'm uh, very excited for what the future holds. And um, yeah, really. I, I just can't Let's believe. Go. I just can't believe. And this is the listeners watching. I just can't believe that Friday Friday night games in the A-League kick off at 4.45 in Perth. 4.45. I mean, mm. what is going on there, really? I, mean, I don't know. <laughs> A random thing. I wanna, I'm going to do the AFL thing here. And I'm not going to sit at 6 a.m. But how's the AFL fixture putting the Magic Round Fremantle fixture at Friday 4 p.m. Adelaide time? It's going to be like 2 p.m. over there in Perth. Yeah, um, I wasn't expecting <laughs> to get into footy chat, but just just quickly, because I'm actually curious on the logistics of this. Are they going to play? Are they going to play it like some shitty like fucking like Norwood Oval and stuff like that? Does it even have the capacity? I'm I'm just curious because I remember there was actually. To, to actually to actually just have a quick football segue and I can't oh, this fuck say here we go. <laughs> but Adelaide Oval were gonna play games at Norwood Oval at one moment in time. Do you guys remember that? I, uh, that was a negotiation tactic. Yeah, right. It was never gonna happen, thank God. Okay. Oh, yeah. A-League. A-League, Matt. A-League. A-League. All right. Um, so yeah, I'm trying to start, I'm trying to start a conversation. <laughs> well, well, I don't care who started it. I, did, and and I didn't do it like a coward at 6 a.m. either. <laughs> Okay, so Adelaide Adelaide start really well. They look by far the better team. Kind of just a typical Adelaide performance where you, you come away from it and you go, okay, so this is why they're not really considered amongst the contenders um, when really that should be a comfortable 2-0 win for them. And Carl makes, Carl Viet makes uh, an interesting change at halftime where, yes, Nestor Kunda comes on and it's great and it's fantastic and he looks really exciting but probably the balance of the team gets thrown out a bit Antonis I'm gonna let you kind of talk about this a little bit because definitely as we were texting during the game you were not too pleased about the uh, midfield setup in the second half 
Oh, well, you talk about being contenders, and I still think Adelaide are contenders, but the main reason they are contenders has influenza. So that's number one. Um, number two, the substitution. And I loved seeing Nesta coming on, especially after what we saw before the World Cup break, him being suspended. So it was good to see him mm. get the trust of getting a 45-minute stint, which we haven't seen before. So that's a big bonus. But yeah, the midfield setup, uh, I'm just not sure about Halloran coming in centrally and playing as, I guess, that 10, when you've got Josh Cavallo, an actual central mid, on the other wing. But you've got Johnny Yao, more to the point, Antonis. Uh, That too. But the other thing as well is when you've got Ethan Allegic on the pitch, who is more of an attacking midfield option, and then you've got Ben Halloran, who is an attacking player, suddenly you leave an aging Isaias all alone and there's gaps all over the midfield. Now, Halloran's played as a 10 before this season, but you've had the double pivot of either Isaias and Juan Isaias and um, Louis Dorigo. When you've got two attacking players, all our attacking players and a mid-30 Spaniard in the middle, you can see these holes popping up everywhere. And Brisbane, who look completely... Listless in the existing, first half. Existing yeah. in the first half, Antonio. Yeah, <laughs> basically. Who were there not providing anything, suddenly come and start attacking you. So, yeah, a bit of a scratch of the head there. But, yeah, what do you do? Well, if I could just add to the Halloran thing. Halloran is not a 10. I, I don't understand what... I, I'm sorry, I don't really understand why why Carl Viet is as is used him there. What Who on earth got in his ear or whether he got you know himself... Thought he could play as a ten. Ben Halloran, he can look, do. He can do. Antonis, a job. Antonis. Ben Halloran is a you know he's a talented player. He's 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 very good A League player, right? But he is kind of limited. He is a winger, and that that is kind of what he is. He he isn't really a ten, in my opinion. I don't think he has that ability to you know drift, drift in between the lines and and you know receive on the half turn and this sort of thing. I don't really think he has that. And I think putting him there in the second half, I mean, it just seems like they were kind of putting something together. I, I didn't really get it. Um, he can do a job. We've seen it before. For me, though, you've got Josh C- and Halloran had had a good half. You know, he put two, three dangerous crosses in. So yeah. I don't know why you play around with something that's not broken when you've got Josh Cavallo on the other wing, who is not a winger. He's a midfielder. And mm. I don't know if you remember when he came to the club. Mm. We was during Carl's first full year yeah. in charge. We're up and down and up and down. Cavallo came into that team and he was part of that six game That's um, right. winning streak. As a midfielder, yes. Yeah. Starting in the midfield. Mm. You know, then you have injuries, Javi Lopez goes down. Just because his deputy has a left back and on the wing doesn't mean he is a left back or a winger. There's a spot in the midfield that you want to change something up. Play the guy there, leave Halloran out wide. So that's what I don't get. If you have the midfielder there on the wing, Surely you play the midfielder in the midfield and you leave the winger on the wing. That's how I see it, at least. Yeah, well, we'll talk about Brisbane in a moment. I just want to touch on Adelaide and this midfield debate because it is something that's that's pretty rife, I think, in the in, in Adelaide circles. But I, I really think the double pivot worked really well again for Adelaide in the first half. That that was the other thing. I mean, I, I'd, I'd love to hear that one day actually had had some kind of injury issue or, or health issue at halftime because I... If if that wasn't the case, I really don't I, I really don't get why he was taken off because Adelaide actually had a solid base there and they actually 
could there were even times where they could push kind of Javi Lopez and use his ability on the ball and kind of push him into midfield at times and then Halloran can hold the width and that that gives also space for Aligic to to break lines in behind which is something that he does really well as he did against uh, Melbourne Victory before the break as well so that it seemed like it was working really harmoniously uh, I don't know Antonis, I don't know if you've seen anything on social media since full time. I don't know if anyone has, uh, Matt, yourself. But if if one day's pulled up with something, then I get it. But if not, it's it's bizarre to me. Usually, you get told by the commentators that that's happened. Mm. I doubt there's an injury. And like the double pivot, the double pivot, the concept of the double pivot is not the problem. The concept is who plays in the double pivot and who mm. the opposition is against a team like Brisbane, who you know you can control the game against. Mm. That's fine. You can use it. The only issues with that double pivot is you're not going to create a high quality of chances, which usually isn't the problem because you can usually give it to Craig Goodwin and you'll make them for you. Mm. Today, though, that didn't happen. And against sides, the higher sides on the table, the double pivot is extremely limited because they're going to press you and you're not going to create much. But against a Brisbane, yes, it works and it works quite well. So, yeah, I didn't mind, as I said, the substitution. I just minded the execution of it. I liked the idea. I didn't like the pieces and where they were used. Yeah, and I guess, I mean, it, you, you can look at it positively though, from an Adelaide perspective because you could say, well, I mean, it was first game back, you know, you're away from home one all draw we didn't have good win so i mean it's not like the it's not the end of the world i think the problem is is that this seems like a bit of a familiar story and that's why it's it's being probably inflated um a little bit in the reaction but matt on on the brisbane point of view you, you made a point during the game which i think was kind of spot on is that this brisbane team only seems to really play well once they go one nil down um and i don't really know why that's the case when you actually consider like i was actually thinking about it during the game i mean this is a team that could very easily get on the front foot in games in my opinion i mean you've got o'shea's as a midfielder who can control the game you've got attacking talent in austin and denzaki who yes you know i say that as denzaki missed that you know that sitter whatever but you know we've seen before he's a very talented player i think carlo armiento yeah just proved that he, he should probably be starting for this team to be honest uh if 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 it's possible to fit him in there because uh i think he was excellent when he came on uh off the bench against his former team as well um and yeah for whatever reason though brisbane just approached this game and were just happy to kind of sit in they did it uh you might remember matt when we did a pod after the melbourne city game that was i think the second round uh of the season where they did something very similar and, and they just kind of got passed off the park as well so i don't really know what what this team is trying to be under warren moon at the moment either yeah look i'll just start by saying uh, from 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 brisbane and adelaide as well now obviously you 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 guys have have sort of qualms with the the tactical intricacies of, of what's going on under carl Viet, rightfully so because tonight was 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 butchered from an adelaide perspective um, before I actually speak to the, the intricacies of what was going on with, with, with Brisbane, something I just couldn't help but notice and something that I think is actually going to be a massive bugbear for the rest of the round and possibly next round as well, is that, you know, we always talk famously about the fact in the A-League that with the longest off-season in the world, those first few games in the A-League are notoriously always really slow and sluggish and hard to watch. Just wondering that because of this World Cup break coming right in the middle of, of that and right as, right as squads were getting into form, if that's having a big impact, because one thing I noticed straight off the bat was both sides were incredibly sluggish to start mm. this game. And if that's mm. a precedent for the rest of the round, we're in for a pretty long round of football. Mm. I'll, be, I'll be honest with you. But um, yeah, I just, the mind boggles watching Brisbane, hey, because, you know, you, you really think that if they if they had played with a slight 
bit more intensity in that first half, they probably have a chance to go up one nil because neither side were particularly, you know, um, intent on playing an, uh, an overtly attacking style and one that was particularly threatening. I mean, there was only there was only I think three shots on target each for for the for the bulk of that game coming into about the fiftieth sixtieth minute of the game. That's a huge problem. And one one thing I just can't get my head around with Brisbane is. You know, when when they have that attacking prowess and when they have some pretty solid defensive players as well, why are they so intent on sitting back all the time when they know that the second that they start pressing and the second they can actually get the ball forward, you have the you, you actually have the options there. Like Armiento, Armiento in the games that he's played for Brisbane and, and the appearances have been, you know, obviously few and far between for, for obvious reasons, but he has been classed. Like he's actually stepped up to another level from his days. At Perth. Well, the, you know, the, fun, the funny thing is, the funny thing is, you look at Brisbane. So, like, it, it's it's it should be three at the back, not five at the back. So, like, they're obviously playing yeah. with that three centre backs, but they should really play. In my opinion, I think Armiento would make like a really interesting left wing back uh, option on on mm. that side for them. And yes, okay. That might be a bit of a disaster defensively, and I understand that. But you you know that's that's where Warren Moon comes in. You got to coach him. You got to coach him into that as well. Um, because to be fair, when you look at it, it it's difficult for Armiento long term to displace and any one of. Millions he would have actually he would have actually yeah. been under a similar system at Perth for a little while as well. Mm. But they had Josh Rawlins at the time before he went to mm. the Eredivisie, but it was something that Armiento could have familiarized himself with and taken up a similar role. Yeah, so I'm just if if you look at like they're actually coming out and they're playing it like a five at the back, and it's kind of like, well, mm. look, I get it. You've got you know Tommy Aldred is a good kind of defender to play in the middle of a three you know he's very good at dealing with those crosses and things like that i get that but yeah. you know even i mean jordan courtney perkins has got some ability to actually affect the game in a, an attacking sense but he's not really given that with in in that sort of system um and yeah it's just also austin is uh i mean i, I don't think he, he's probably played in teams in the past you think of the teams that he actually would have played with in england particularly with qpr right I mean, that's a team which would have notoriously sat back a lot uh, in the Premier League and obviously scrapping, trying to stay up and things like that. So mm. it's not like he's unfamiliar with that style of play. But you, you do have to think for him coming into this, you know, it, it's kind of like, well, all right, so we're going to do this every game and I'm going to kind of just be feeding off scraps. I mean, look, I can do it, but it's a little bit, I don't know. You'd want him to be What's getting doing, regular though? service. What, what are you doing? Are you, how are you playing him? Are you yeah. doing what QPR did and playing long balls? No, you're not. Are you Last time they played he, Adelaide United, uh, one second, in the cup here in Adelaide, mm-hmm. one thing he did and it really, really shook United was he was not staying there. He was dropping back and linking yeah. the midfield yeah, exactly. and the forwards. Where is that? Where, no, but you know, I, it's, but I, that's interesting. That's interesting because I remember that Melbourne City game and I, I go back to it because it's really the last uh, Brisbane game that really sticks into my head uh, really noticeably. And Melbourne City uh, went 2-0 up in that game and then Charlie Austin started dropping back. And then I think all the Brisbane fans were kind of like, oh, what's he doing now? Like he's dropping back. It's like, well, yeah, because he's got to get the ball. Like, mm-hmm. I, I don't, you know, you've got to kind of um, get, get, get your players involved. And I think, you know, yeah, we, we've we've probably la- uh, lamented Antonis Adelaide in the past for, you know, they're, they're a bit too cross-heavy and it's kind of like, let's just cross and hope and, and this sort of thing. But, you know, you'd probably rather that than just not really progressing the ball at, at all. At least you're and, playing and, to a strength. Yeah. At least you're playing yeah. to a strength. Charlie Austin would die for some of those crosses Halloran was serving mm. up today to him in the back post, you know? On and that, what, got, what did you, you, what did you make of Ibisuki? Like what did you make What's of Ibisuki's that? performance? Ibisuki tonight. 
Yeah, again, I don't think he got much in open play. I guess from the set piece, you expect him to do slightly better, which is his thing. But again, it's so obvious that the game style kind of doesn't suit him as much when someone with the quality of delivery of Craig Goodwin suddenly disappears from that mm. team and Cavallo offers you nothing from a crossing perspective for the time he's on the pitch. So it makes a big difference because even if Craig is crossing and it's not quite on, he still causes that chaos in the box and has those defenders, you know, on tender hooks. So again, it's something you can play a bit more to his strengths. I do think just like Austin, for a big guy, he actually his hold up play and his link up play is actually quite good. Mm. And I think it's something that United yeah, doesn't use the, enough. The thing is, the thing is, the thing is, they need to start utilizing that. Yeah. When when the game is actually fucking kicked off, you know what I mean? <laughs> like it just, I could not believe the intensity that they'd shown. Yeah. And I'm not going to say that they deserved the one-one because I think Adelaide probably, you know, again, it's more of a case of Adelaide butchering this result. That's that's the the sad reality of it. But like, I just I, I felt like I was watching fundamentally watching a different football team. And like, if you're gonna if you're gonna show up like that, you know, it's not just it's not just the scoreline as well. The game was 75 minutes gone for goodness sake. Like. And, and and Austin's ability to drop back and get more involved in the play and support the players around him that that was a that was a, a Charlie Austin that was telling himself we can actually go and grind this out and we can get something from it but they need they they only need that that presence you know when when they're telling themselves that the game's already gone to an extent and I just don't understand that I don't understand what Warren Moon is doing so very you know, similar very similar to yeah. Adelaide last year that you know we're like what we're we doing in the final 15 minutes come and you're suddenly the best yeah. team in football you know yeah. imagine playing with not that intent but like kind of that thought that you know what we're going to go out not just to match them for a bit fill them out and see how the game plays out but to go out there and Put a knock on early, make them feel that you're there early, which doesn't happen, like you said, many times until it's right at the end. You're like, oh my God, if we don't do anything for the next 10, 15 minutes, it's going to be a nil or a one nil loss. So again, you say we start off slow in this league. Go, push, make the other team react to you because we've seen if you do something, mm. they're going to react. Mm. Mm. Can I just ask a question more broadly? Who do you think is the most proactive team in the league? Most practical team in the league. Newcastle, right now. and it doesn't always work. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Good it's shout, good shout. Probably Newcastle. But I just think my yeah. Uh, yeah, man, the yeah. other I mean, one is not in terms of tactics, I guess, but in terms of quality. Melbourne City, who will just yeah. come out and play their way, and mm-hmm. you will have to do something about them. But again, it's a bit less tactical and a bit more just the overwhelming amount of quality for me yeah yeah i was going to say i was actually going to say a similar note on macarthur in an attacking sense macarthur can start games really strong but i think that just comes down to the individuals well i think another interesting comparison would be like wellington for example are a case of okay they can be quite pragmatic but it's not like they do it in a case where they'll do it for 70 minutes and then just show up for the last 20 they don't they don't play like that right yeah, so uh, it's yeah more, it's more maybe we'll fear you out for the first 15 minutes then we'll try and land a hammer blow in that kind of 15 to 30 mark or something like that i think and i think a lot of teams could could actually benefit from that approach uh, and it's yeah. a way to kind of probably so can i can i just yeah. make, make a point because i was just i was just having a look at the table so this this now yeah. puts a position for brisbane where they've actually taken points from more games than they have lost they're, they're at a one three and two record mm. and what concerns me looking at that is that warren moon 
is in a position where he could kind of look at this and, and take positives out of it and be like, oh, well, we, we showed up when it was required of us and we went and grinded for the result. Like, if, mm. and, and I'll have to watch his press conference later. If, if that's his mentality towards this, like you'd have to be asking a lot of questions yeah. because yeah. you can argue that there's, that there are points taken and that it's a positive for a team like them. I think they're eighth or ninth on the ladder now. Right. And people expecting them. Well, to I think the other thing is, and correct me if I'm wrong, but moon kind of came in with a reputation of, you know, kind of similar to like, a, like Carl Viet where mm-hmm. he was going to be, playing a bit more progressively and and Mm. yeah they they come from a similar sort of you know really much you know very much managers who are kind of uh, developed in their own states as well uh and and this sort of thing and i think you know for him to kind of play this type of football seems very very bizarre i think at the moment um but if i was him if i was him um matt as you're saying i would look at it and go wow you know we haven't played that well and we've still got seven points right now. We're in six. If he let, so, let's yeah. just say, Christian, if he if he shows up in that in that press conference and says something to the effect of, mm. "Oh, there were glimpses of it," I'd I'd be like, "You've just completely missed the fucking point, yeah. haven't you?" Yeah, yeah. There and were glimpses the of it problem, because you, yeah, yeah. The other yeah. problem is, I think it's five of their six games so far have been at home. You know, those are stretches where you should be putting points. Yeah, but on I think the board. that is, yeah, but I think that is a problem. Can you generate yeah. any sort of uh, at- atmosphere uh, and and willingness to press in front of that crowd? I, I don't think. No, you no, can. They, they, I'm not going to go there because it is an <laughs> awful situation. But it it doesn't matter because guess what? Every other club has a home game, and here in Adelaide, we make those home games count. And I'm sure many clubs around the country make those home games count because when you come to Adelaide, it's not going to play out like this. I'm sorry. No, I know you that. Know, but so what I'm saying, you no, need to you, you need to make the same games yeah. count. And they've had all these home games, and like Matt said, they're what ninth, tenth on the ladder. What are you going to do when you're on the road? No, all I'm saying is, and I don't want to. You know, this is a mini podcast. We're not going to open this can of worms. But all I'd say is, you know, the Redcliffe atmosphere is not very conducive to a high octane, high pressing. You know, try and play this team off the park sort of thing, right? Um, you know, when Adelaide play at home. It's it's a bit more, you know, the Adelaide fans, they've got the Red Army there. It really kind of, you know, they get behind the team and you can really feel it, I think. Yeah, the Den, the Den's still show up in really mm-hmm. good numbers already. No, the Den's got good numbers, but I just hope if um, Queensland's ambassador for legacy ambassador for the World Cup 2023 is listening... She's magically got the ability to find some funding to. Yeah, they need. They need. It. They need. I got. I got to say, it's they need really a stadium in the awkward. city that's around fifteen thousand. If yes, they could get yes, something like yeah. that, it would be absolutely uh, perfect. Even if, if, even if they do a Macedonia Park situation to Perry yeah. Park for a little while mm-hmm. or something like that, you'd, you'd like to see the effort. But I, I just want to talk about how ridiculously awkward it is seeing big Ko Stadium advertising everywhere. So I understand that that that. KO have the rights to the stadium now purely because the Redcliffe Dolphins are going to go play NRL footy there, there, right? And they've got the bloody Dolphins logo everywhere and they're going all ham out for it. And we've got a raw team that think about this. They're playing, they're playing what 13, 12, 13 games there. And the Dolphins are, are going to be playing three games actually in Redcliffe and the rest of their NRL home games in Brisbane. What does that say about the state of affairs for, for Queensland football? Is that we're, we're using a fucking state league ground that's going to be used for three NRL games a season with all of their branding around it. And it's, and it's going to be predominantly used as a soccer ground for Brisbane Raw. Like that, that just, that mm. infuriates me. And it frustrates me so much because it's going to be covered in another sporting team's branding the whole bloody season. Mm-hmm. Well, when you're the Brisbane, the Brisbane Roar that trains in Gold Coast, that and plays in Redcliffe, plays in that Roar. owes 
rent to about half of the Brisbane local government areas. I don't <laughs> yes. know, you've kind of dug your own grave, haven't you? Yeah, you have, you have. And it's so cringe to look at. Yeah, but again, mm. it's the government. Anastasia Palaszczuk is FIFA legacy. Christian said not to open this can of words. Yeah, no, no, we got to. Let me just open it once and yep. then we can close it. It's she a mini, it's a is, mini. <laughs> yes, that's fine. She is the FIFA legacy World Cup ambassador. That means you're a friend of football. Act like it. What yeah. was Ron Barassi not available to destroy a football for you? Seriously. And Come on. All, the, all this talk about the big Brisbane Lions facility that they built, it's, it's ridiculous. But yeah, sorry, Christian. Yeah, well, actually, this stadium stuff leads in nicely. So obviously, we'll now we'll look ahead to the rest of the round like we usually do. Matt, let's, mm-hmm. let's talk a little bit about Macedonia Park. Um, yep. Perth Glory kicking off there tomorrow night against uh, Western United, which is a really interesting game, actually, to kick it off there. Um, with, yeah, with, we've got Rubens, Rubens um, AAA as well. Yeah, of course. Rubens Akovic uh, All Access, which is going to be really, really interesting, uh, actually, as well. Because I, I wonder as well with that, if there's been some pre-filming done as well, like maybe in the off-season of that and kind of trying to build a bit of a story around maybe the Macedonia situation and, and this sort of stuff. I, just going off some of the other episodes, how they've kind of, you know, that it's not just the filming, obviously, that happens in the week. There would be that other kind of coverage as well. So mm-hmm. I wonder if that plays into it. But your, your overall thoughts, I guess, on the scenario and 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 what the what, what's the feeling like, I guess, over there, actually, around going to this game? I, I can assure you. So because of what's happened with the Socceroos, I've had friends who kind of casually follow sport message me and be like, oh, can I, can I come to the Perth Glory game? Unfortunately, with Macedonia's capacity and the waiting list for members and things like that, Casual fans probably won't be getting much of an opportunity to get in, but it does mean that the atmosphere should be should be really, really good. I myself, so this is awkward. I myself am not actually going, <laughs> despite having a reserved uh, reserved ticket. Um, unfortunately, I've just just had a, a family thing pop up um, for the Christmas period that I couldn't really necessarily avoid. Also, we've got the women's team playing on on Sunday as well. Wait, are you, are you telling me that you're prioritizing family over a liga? What's going on here? Yeah, it's ridiculous. Um, yeah, I, I, I genuinely am, am borderline pissed off at them, but that, that's okay. <laughs> um, there is a narrative here that I just wanted to, to quickly follow before I get into any more sort of glory stuff. So John Aloisi has kind of awkwardly come out in lieu of the soccer is really good run and said that he, he, it would it's essentially his dream job, Mike. It's, it's, he has confirmed, I am working towards being the manager of the Socceroos. Now, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Johnny. I know you've won a championship, my friend, mm. but... You you have a knack for shitting the bed. If we go back as far as 2009, 2010 with Melbourne Heart, you have a knack for shitting the bed. Currently, you are shitting the bed. And the fact of the matter is you're coming up against the weakest team in the competition at a stadium that will, okay, have a pretty good atmosphere, but is also an MPL ground with a bunch of temp seating in it. This is your time to go and, go and make a statement and sort of prove that Western United can be a new look you well, I think the other thing is to also prove that, that that Wellington result before the break was not some fluke. Uh, yeah, as exactly, well. exactly, yeah. exactly, exactly. So I'm actually, like one. yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'm I'm really looking forward to it from a Western United narrative, which I don't really know what that says about the state of the state of Perth, but um, you know, at, at the same time, I mean, you know, this is also an important important point because we've we've had this entire reset, right? And yes, the, as I've mentioned, there is a worry about being sluggish, but you know, it's it's a it's a it's a time for Ruben to make a statement of intent to show that mm. he as a manager also belongs in the competition and that he can actually lift the team going forward. Because at the end of the day, you know, it's you know the the, the win against the the Mariners actually gave uh, the fan base a lot of hope. There's no there's no denial of that. 
but something something has to give. And, and some of these names in the team who are expecting to be a really big presence, like an Amini or, you know, a Ryan Williams, problems with how he's being utilized, but that's another conversation. Aaron McInef, I mean, we, you know, these guys are playing at home now. They've they've literally, they've, they've spent, you know, week after week out at Cottesloe Beach having the time of their lives. I know Stefan Kolakowski went back to Melbourne to spend time with some family. He's come back and got himself into the fold. So, you know, from a mentality perspective, They've they've got to grab it by the scruff of the neck. Yeah, well, and what what actually hmm. really excites me is that that narrative extends to both teams. So hypothetically, we should get a really really good contest here from from both teams and what's going on externally. Yeah, well, you look at and I was watching that game where they lost to to Melbourne City four 0 And look, Melbourne City are, uh, are undoubtedly a class above Perth Glory. I don't think anyone should expect Perth Glory to go there and 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 win. I think you you expect a better performance than that, but. You know, watching that, it was kind of like, oh, you know, and and you jump to conclusions like this is a disaster. But you look at it, you know, they had the Mariners win, and then they went to Adelaide and Melbourne City and lost both games. Now, okay, yes, they lost the Melbourne City game badly, but that's not it's not like an absolute disaster to lose two games like that away from home. Those are tough teams to play away from home. We've, we've had, can I just remind yeah. you, we've had better teams go to Sydney and get waxed six 0 in the past. So like, it's, yeah, yeah, it's not. It's I remember, nothing yeah, new. I remember that under Graham Arnold. That's right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, um. In saying that, you know, you're right. This is the perfect occasion now for Ruben Zakovic. Uh, and maybe he's really going to show up as well because he's got the cameras definitely on him um, mm-hmm. tomorrow as well. But, you know, this is the perfect occasion to really kickstart the season. It, it, it is. It, they're Speaking. at home. They're, they're, they're playing the champions. They're, they're unveiling this this new temporary ground, which in, in some quarters is being suggested as maybe being like an actual really kind of bit of a cauldron of noise. And it could actually like, you know, be a very... Uh, niche kind of stadium for them though so i i, oh, I, I can tell you the boys that the boys are buzzing so it, it, the shed is now become the subway terrace and i can tell you the boys are absolutely buzzing about it. people are losing their head because 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 the thing is right the security the security yeah. is going to be totally botched so people are talking about letting whole, all hell break loose on that little terrace there and it's gonna <laughs> by the sounds of it it's gonna go off so i'm yeah. i'm really looking forward to it and, and Tony, um yeah. you were going to make a point uh, mm-hmm. just before i get into that on the talk of venues, Wellington are playing their home game in Wollongong. Irma says a thank you um, tomorrow, tomorrow afternoon. Mm-hmm. So I yeah. feel like we should maybe touch on that a little bit because yeah. I'm I'm wondering how that sets up playing Western Sydney in New South Wales. Almost a bit <laughs> of a bad omen. They had a, had a they had a really terrible loss that they choked uh, last time they played the Wanderers in Wollongong as well. So I'm just wondering what kind of omen that is. But yeah, Antonis. Just a quick, quick couple of points. Number one on Christian saying about the cameras being on Ruben. I just hope the cameras are a lot better than the Adelaide United Perth Glory women's game were at Macedonia Park shooting right into the sun because that game was borderline unwatchable. So I hope mm. Paramount and Ten have had a look it'll at be, that. Yeah, uh, and Tony, it'll be yeah, the, the sun will the sun will be coming down by then. It's uh, a seven seven thirty p.m. game. Uh, so, okay, yeah, yeah. Right, that for the future. And just quickly, yep. with the um, Wollongong game, great for the Wanderer supporters now that they're up and about heading down to Wollongong as a trip, hoping for a big away support there. But let's not forget, currently Wellington is the best ranked um, New South Wales side from last year. So let's show them some respect. <laughs> All right. Real quick, because I think we've been talking for about 25 minutes and we're starting to get to this, to this, actually, this isn't a mini uh, kind of stake. So, um, we got two two big games though uh, that we haven't even mentioned at all uh, this week. So, tomorrow night before that Perth game, Sydney and Melbourne City. Um, interesting 
game because it's got this Socceroos feel to it, which should hopefully, you know, attract uh, attract a few more people to the game. I'm expecting a decent crowd for that one, actually, as well. Uh, real quick, we're going to do for both of these games, just a quick prediction and just like a couple of words on on, on what your thoughts are on it. So, Antonis, we'll start with you. Sydney, Melbourne City. Um, Melbourne City will win this 2-1, I'd like to say. I think they're way too good for Sydney, who are still got many defensive problems. I think it's the Melbourne City fans' tour of duty, so I hope they have a great time over there. Hopefully a good atmosphere. Hopefully good football. And a lot of days made with the soccer reach. Matt? 2-2. Two, 2-2. Two. Two, two. All right. All right. Let's see if uh, let's see if Sydney uh, go away from there. Hey, Joe Lolly, Robert Mack, here's the ball and um, do everything for us. Let's see if they uh, try a different tactic. <laughs> they might um, change the order of that. Might be yeah, uh, uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, but also, also, obviously, Rado Vidasic, and there's there's that whole angle as well. Of course, uh, no Paddy Kisnorbo, which which uh, I'm actually surprised neither of you mentioned just then. Um, but uh, um, I just didn't, I just didn't want to elaborate on it too too, yeah, too much because I know we're pressed for time. We are, <laughs> we are. Much changes to be honest. Yeah, and um, then we've got the the battle of the F three, and it's actually the battle of the actual F three. Um, yeah, they've they've got <laughs> a piece Sunday of the afternoon. road, haven't they? Oh my god! Yeah, nice. uh, that that is that is if there were, that's got to be right up there with peak A League moments. I mean, that's that's absolutely fantastic. Um, that that the Central Coast Mariners and Newcastle Jets will actually be playing for a piece of the F three <laughs> road. Like it, it's just crazy. Um, but also, you know, um, I'd imagine you know Grand Qual uh will hopefully maybe feature uh in in this game um and just. It could be an interesting one. A big game for Newcastle as well, which is weird as well because it's it's weird to say that there's a big game for some of these clubs off the back of a break like that. But, you know, we have to remember the pressure that, I guess, Pappas was starting to feel before the break. Yeah, and, exactly. Yeah. But also but also what this means for the Mariners because they could actually cement start, type, start to cement a top four place, which I don't think too many people were talking about preseason. Can you start to cement a top four place six games in? No, no, no. I just mean, just mean in terms of get, getting on that form and getting the points because they're fifth. Yeah. They're fifth now, and the points will be there for the taking. Yeah, it's an interesting one. It's an interesting one. Predictions. Mariners two one. Mariners three one, and I hope Garan Quall starts a game before he says goodbye. To us. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> just like a cheeky move from uh, Montgomery just before yeah, he leaves. Surely. All right, fuck it. I'll start him for a game. Um, Sydney, all right, I actually didn't do my prediction. So Sydney, Melbourne City, uh, I'm going to go 2-1 as well to Melbourne City. I think that's a good prediction, um, to be honest as well. You don't think the coach narrative comes into it? The coach narrative? Yep. Just City, no, because, City, because I, I think this could turn into a sort of situation where maybe later in the season it could come into it, maybe, if, if Rado Vinicius tries to change things slightly. But I do think Kisnorbo has his fingerprint so much on that team that it's going to kind of be on autopilot for a few weeks whilst Rado is still kind of taking the reins over. So I still think you're not going to see much of a change from Melbourne City in the way they approach things tomorrow. Um, and if I'm Rado Vidisic, I wouldn't be looking to change things very much at all, to be honest, long-term. Um, so, yeah, but and I think City Rado's win that. Been yeah. in this spot, Rado's been in this spot before and has changed things quickly, and maybe he's learned from it. Yeah, yeah true. Yeah. Uh, okay. And Mariners Jets. I'm gonna go one all. I'm gonna go one all. I think I think Newcastle will kind of show up in this game a little bit, and they'll uh, they might uh, they might have the Mariners pinned in for periods. So let's go one all for that one. Uh, and then there was also Macarthur Melbourne victory, which we didn't touch on. Um, and it's 
kind of not that interesting in my opinion. Um, so anyway, <laughs> come on, you can have to predict that at least. I don't know what I'm going to say, but <laughs> well, I guess well, uh, you know what, you know what? I'll, 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 I'll say this right now: Perth Western will be a better game than Macarthur Melbourne. Okay, suck, man. All right. Interesting. I guess low key big game for Popper as well. Um, you know, I guess that kind of fits into the the Pappas kind of thing that we we're just talking about, where there was some pressure, not pressure, but there was some some grumblings. Let's say anyway before the break. I mean, they did just get smacked three 0 by Adelaide before the break, so um, that they, they are probably due a big performance to shut up any critics. Okay, uh, I, let's 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 end this podcast because uh, Antonis is probably you know going to go and like bury his demons somewhere after that uh, after that result. Hey, I'm and burying then... it with uh, Croatian supporters. World Cup, come on, yeah, we're back yeah, after well. two days off. Yeah, there you go. Well, at least we got the World Cup um, to. To kind of distract us from any uh from any bad A League football, but uh, you know it's the A League, so you know th- there's always something to something to watch, isn't there? Um, okay, and then Matt's pumped because you've got the Macedonia Park uh, inaugural fixture tomorrow. So interesting, interesting round of A League football to come, um, and an interesting game tonight. Uh, and stay tuned for more of the FPF Mini podcast. As I said at the start of the pod, go and check out some of our Socceroos reaction pods. I think there were some very uh, interesting discussions after those games. You can kind of relive the hype, I guess, from from the games as well. So uh, yeah, go and go and check it out. Frontpagefootball.net. Go and check out uh, our articles as well. Uh, Antonis, you had a very interesting piece, I think, this week on on the Fed Square stuff. Uh, but you didn't mention how I got hit by a flare on the ass, <laughs> uh, which was which was disappointing. <laughs> So I, I couldn't find a spot for in my political piece about that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like what? Come on, <laughs> what the hell? Um, all right, let's wrap it up, boys. Uh, thanks for joining me again. That's what I talk. <laughs> thanks for having us. Bring on the week. <laughs> I love that you had to mention that a flare hit you on the ass before you finished. Yeah, yeah. I just it's 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 like a slight egotistical thing. But anyway, uh, we're going to actually wrap this up now. Uh, this has been another episode of the Front Page Football Mini Podcast, and uh, we will hopefully be back next week.